Good afternoon, Delaware Valley. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. Excuse the hoarse voice. I was yelling at the Sixers loss on Sunday with my son. Um, exciting fourth quarter. Not a great first half. Hopefully they do better tonight. More importantly, Stacey, how are you doing today? How's everything going? A little crazy. A little crazy, but everything's right? Everything's great. Yes. Life in the day of a realtor, exactly. I think, is the, the and a top producing realtor at that. So uh, let's jump right into the news. And uh, again, if you have questions for us, it's info at tooltimeradio.com. That's our email address. And we are live on WWDB 860 AM. And there was an interview this week. Glenn Kelman, if you don't know him, he is the CEO of Redfin. And he was on CNBC for about a two, three minute spot, which is interesting in that it would probably take him hours to do that pre-COVID-19. Now it's like eight minutes for a three minute spot. So probably a little more efficient for him. He came on to CNBC and said, hey, the housing market, it's slowing down a little bit. Things are opening. People aren't sitting at home in their houses, Googling real estate and going on Zillow and saying, hey, maybe we'd like to live there. And we haven't spent any leisure money over the past 15 months, so maybe we'll go buy the property. They're going on vacations. People are going out to eat. What do you think about that statement from Glenn Kelman? I mean, he's in the know, CEO of Redfin. No matter what you say about the company, smart guy has his pulse, his finger on the pulse of the industry. What do you think about that, Stacey? Well, there is definitely some truth to that. Um, people are going out. Um, things have opened up, and you know, people want some sense of normalcy and they are taking vacations. Uh, so maybe their focus has changed. They're not stuck in at home anymore and Googling, you know, where can I live where I want to move out of this house? Uh, so it's definitely changing, um, which I think for the positive, as far as people getting back to some sense of normalcy. Well, you bring up a good point because there was a, there was a skit on Saturday night live and it was um, about like, you know, you're, you're bored at home. It's the pandemic. What are you going to do? And it was like Zillow. Uh, and then right. people were looking at all. They're like, look at this master bathroom. Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. Check out this fire pit in the backyard. And th that is definitely a thing. I mean, there are people that are in that voyeur phase where they look at properties all the time and they're constantly checking out real estate. People love to get obsessed with it. And it was when, when that happens and it's on Saturday, Saturday Night Live, that's a real thing. Um, so I, I do agree with what he's saying there. Some of the other points that he talked about, and let's talk about these. And then there's some some additional data I want to share so we can kind of get our hands around this to help the people that are listening to see if they're making a real estate decision what to do. Um, Glenn also said, frustration's been a big driver for buyers and maybe slowing down a little bit. Um, so, so what do you think about that? I mean, you're on the front lines. You've sold 50-some homes in the past 12 months individually. So are you seeing that frustration come out for some folks? Are they pulling back from the market? Is that a real thing on a, on a ground level? There is, there is frustration. Um, if whether they're new and not totally understanding of how the market is, uh, and you give them the rundown and the education about what's truly going on in the market, sure. it might, uh, sway them a little bit right there. And some of the buyers, that I've been working with are, are feeling a little, you know, lagging. Maybe they want to just take a couple of months off uh, just to regroup and um, 
let some time pass. Uh, but I've noticed I've noticed that there's some frustration out there for sure. And anytime you have to write four, five, six offers and not get any of the houses, not get any of them, you're 0 for 6, right? If you were 0 for 6 in a baseball game, people would be telling you to sit down and get on the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a real thing. I think that's a real frustration that people go through because it's an emotional roller coaster. It you is. get excited about a home. You think you're going to live there with your family. Mm-hmm. You can imagine your dog running around in the backyard and then all of a sudden, well, guess what? There's 15 other offers and you were in 14th place. Um, now, it's not always 14th place, but that's <laughs> kind of the, the idea. So I, I do agree with him there. I, you know, another thing that's happening, too, is that inventory has bubbled up slightly, not a lot, slightly. If we look at uh, the, the numbers that came in through the end of uh, April, we don't have the May numbers yet. Inventory went from about a, a one to a 1.2 month supply. So about 20 percent more. Now, this is still very low to be very clear for the audience, because an even market is a six month supply where buyers and sellers have that equal leverage in a negotiation. So one to one point two months. Not a big move, but it, it, it puts some relief on the market from, OK, maybe it's slowing down a little bit because the buyers all of a sudden have like two choices instead of only one. Right. Um, but what Glenn also said is that inventory, the inventory issues are going to be bigger than rates because even if a rate's low, you can't buy a home that doesn't exist. So are, are you seeing that there, there's still people motivated by rates or is the inventory really the, the, the biggest challenge that, 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 that that's causing maybe some people to pull back from the market and the really motivated folks to be the ones that are looking. So the people that really want to transact and they have a real need. The people that really have a need uh, and they really want to transact, they are going to get under contract. They will find their home. Um, folks that uh, their motivation might not be truly 100%, maybe they're 80%. Sure. Uh, they, they are the ones that I'm finding that they're pulling back. They might have a home to sell which if you have a home sale contingency in this market, you're pretty much your offer might be the first one off the table when, when the sellers are considering. So typically they're the buyers I'm working with now that are way more frustrated and are thinking, well, you know what, maybe we'll just stay in this house for a little longer, um, you know, but we'll keep our eye open. So, you know, they're pulling back slightly. Well, you bring up a really great point there. And in my view of the market, and I've been through a couple of these things, whether it was the 2001 9-11 attacks, right? Whether it was the 2008, I guess guess they call it the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. uh, So um, I just remember when the car companies failed. That's what I always think of. And then there's been this. And so I've been through a couple of these market cycles where things went really heavy one way. And it doesn't mean that it's a good or bad market. It's that you're dealing with incredible extreme conditions. And because of that, what, what I've seen with those is that you, you mentioned the people that have a home to sell or there's like, there's a couple dominoes that have to fall and it's the ones that are, that really have a need to move are the ones that are sticking with it. So that's probably the buyers that are saying, if I could find this great home where it has that extra bedroom for my kids, or it's still in the same elementary school feeder district, or if a home ever came available on this street right here, I'd buy it. Those are the folks that are going to be kind of kind of pulling back a little bit so i i 100 agree with you there um and at the same time there's the folks that are they got three kids and they're in a two-bedroom condo they're moving right there's definite motivation there to Down, move. downsizers i mean downsizers. and especially now how people look at their finances i have found that people are much more serious about their money than they ever have been if you look at like credit scores peaked for for fico scores over the past 12 months to an all-time mm-hmm. high 
Um, you're seeing all these folks that are really concerned about having money in the bank, especially when you're told, hey, you can't work for a couple months because that happened a year ago. So that, that's, a, that's a really great observation on your part. And you know, in general, for the real estate agents that are listening, take note of this. Determining the client's motivation is going to be your best way to decide who's worth your time. And for a buyer or seller, if you can find out that motivation of the other party involved, that can also tell you of how likely you are to come to an agreement because some people, they'll only sell if, they'll only buy if rather than I'm selling my home because I'm moving to Florida or I'm selling my home because, you know, the if versus because is a, is a real thing here. My lease is expiring at the end of yes. October. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing about that, rent always goes up too. We just talked mm -hmm. about that today. Rent like really doesn't go down. So the people that have made the decision to buy, it's always going to be the better move for them to, because otherwise you're just paying someone else's mortgage Correct. and their taxes and their insurance and their profit. People forget about all that stuff. So you're seeing the same thing here. So you're agreeing with Glenn that inventory issues are bigger or are a bigger deal than rates. And his last point, and then we're going to get into some other uh, information that supports all this, is that this run on the market and or this current uh, market cycle we're in, I'm not going to call it a bubble because I do not believe we are in a bubble right now. I'm clear that we're not. It's going to end with a whimper, not a bang. Tell me about that. What do you think? <laughs> It's going to end with a whimper and not a bang. So it's not going to be any, it, it's just going to gradually change. Um, so I believe that the inventory will continue to, um, you know, we'll have more inventory over time. Mm -hmm. So, and eventually the market will level out. So it's not going to be this major shift like overnight. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I agree with you. And if you look at a lot, a lot of the data that's out there, you look at the folks that are paid to make these predictions. So like Lawrence Yoon with the National Association of Realtors, you look at Zillow's data. Everyone is saying the same message. The numbers might be different and I'm not here to, I'm not going to compare the numbers, but the message is that there's about five years of time it's going to take to clear out the current demand because the millennial home buyers aren't going anywhere. No. So it may not be as hot as it was. And when I say hot, we're talking like white hot. Uh, it's not even just hot, white hot. It's that kind of next level. That's not going to change like it was back in, you know, I, I would say, you know, January, February, March, it was white hot. Then there was a little more inventory that came on the market because we're in that time of year when inventory typically climbs, which didn't happen last year. Right. So that's as much of a factor as anything else, especially here in Pennsylvania, because how aggressively we were shut down. So I, I agree with you. And then if you look at the numbers that we're seeing, prices aren't just going to drop. That would be a bang. If prices went down 10% next year, because right now we're up like 11, 12% year over year in, in, in the greater Philadelphia area in terms of the average sale price, that's a bang. The whimper is next year, they're going to go up like 6%, 7%. Mm -hmm. The year after that, maybe in the 5% range. The year after that, and then we're talking about 2024, it's going to be in that three to five range. And then 2025, probably the same. And that's more of a normal appreciation that we've seen throughout history. So what 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 he's saying there, um, I, I I agree with everything. I mean, it was it was a very insightful three minutes, but let's talk about some data that's going to support it. So uh, there was some information that came out about six days ago uh, that fewer people are submitting mortgage applications. So mortgage applications dropped for the second straight week, and they were down four percent for the week ending May twenty eighth. Because all this data gets a little lagged here, and that's according to the Mortgage Bankers Association weekly mortgage application survey. And 
that if you look at that data compared to Memorial Day of 2020, it was down 4%. Um, and the overall housing index hit its lowest point since February, according to MBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, Joel Kahn. And what he goes on to say is that tight housing inventory, obstacles to a faster rate of new construction, and rapidly rising home prices continue to hold back purchase activity. So all the things we just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. So we're actually seeing it with the data, the lead indicator. Because what's besides writing offers, filing mortgage applications, right? which can't happen until you have what? An agreement of sale. An executed agreement <laughs> of sale. Yep. So because of the inventory challenges and you don't have these executed agreement of sales coming in or agreements of sale, excuse the, uh, the grammar uh, there. No, that, that, well, I'm the one that said it, not you. You don't need to apologize. So according to that, I mean, you're seeing that less people are applying for loans and that's right in line with everything he's saying uh, here, Glenn Kelman saying. So what do, you, what do you think about this, Stacey? I mean, what does that piece of data mean to you? You're someone, you're talking to someone that's thinking about buying or selling a home. What are you telling them right now? Well, for home sellers, um, it's definitely still a great time for them to consider putting their home on the market uh, for sure. Um, they're going to have all the benefit of um, the increased uh, appreciation value to their home. Uh, if it's positioned correctly in the market, they could have multiple offers going over asking price and waiving inspections. So for home sellers, definitely great time to list the house. Uh, home buyers, I'm going to just walk them through the process and explain all the information uh, um, and exactly what the market is today. Not what they've heard from their friends or their family, um, but exactly what is going on in the market and why. And also... I'm going to just present to them different ways that we can go about presenting offers, crafting offers, and making sure they understand it's going to be speed to market. So if there's a home that comes on the market, you know, it, it hits the market on a Thursday showing, I'm going to schedule the appointment first, right off the jump, mm -hmm. um, get in right away Friday. If you're considering the offer, get it written and submitted ASAP. So there's really... Um, you know, it's definitely about getting out there as quick as possible, turnaround time. So so I would actually go one step further. And I, everything you said there is 100% accurate. I would tell the buyers that need to transact and they're getting a little weary, they're getting a little frustrated. I've got good news for you. Other people are feeling this too. And if we stick with this and persevere and get you into the place where you want to be, we're going to have a little more success right now because not everyone has that perseverance. They're not ready to hang in there. And there's a lot of people that make an offer and they don't get it. And then, I mean, to me, that's, if you're an agent, you should be following up with that person because they were motivated enough to write a contract. A lot of people don't, they don't follow up. We know that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so for the buyers that are out there that maybe feel frustrated, when you see something, when you see news like this start to come out, you want to zig when the buyers are zagging, right? Because your competition yes. isn't the listings, your competition is the other buyers that you're dealing with. And, um, you know, if you look at, and let's get to the next piece of data here, because I think that's really relevant, is the um, the Fannie Mae's HPSI. So that's the Fannie Mae Home Purchase Sentiment Index. Uh, this came out yesterday. It shows that just 35% of consumers believe now is a good time to buy a home, down from 47% in April. That's yeah. a month later, right? That's right. a huge decline. You're talking about 12% uh, decline. I mean, that's almost a third of, of, of where they were. And the people who believe it's a bad time to be a home buyer, 
that went up 56 to 56% from 48%. So we saw an 8% jump there. So we saw, you know, almost like a 15% increase on that number. So knowing that that's the sentiment and maybe you're one of those people that feels like it's a bad time to buy a home. So let's say you get a call or you, you talk to someone and say, I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm concerned. I don't know if it's a great time to buy a home. What should I do, Stacy? What are you telling them? I'm telling him, yes, it's it's a very exciting time and it's a great time to buy a home. Um, and I will find out their motivation and um, I'm just going to guide them the best I can through this, you know, through the market the way it is. And it is a great time to buy a home. Uh, the interest rates are low and you just, like you said, you have to have a little bit of grit and persevere. Um, I've managed the people who are were motivated that I have been working with. I've managed them. I've managed to get them under contract, get them into their homes. And it's the best feeling for them. And they're so excited. We might have to write four or five, six offers. Um, but with each experience, some of them became more determined because they had that motivation to buy. So for my home buyers, I'm going to tell them, yep, let's stay the course, stay positive and just keep trying. Eventually we'll get there. We'll, we'll get you under contract and you'll be able to move into your new home. Well, and, and what, what you mentioned there is so critical because this is a mistake that is made by, I'm going to put it on everyone, not just one person. I mean, ultimately it's on, it's on the, the professional because that's their job, right? You go to a doctor to get the diagnosis. You go to the lawyer to figure out how you're going to stay out of trouble or navigate a situation. Not enough people have that initial meeting to talk about what their goals are, what's the market like, and what's this process going to be like so I know what to expect and can make decisions faster and make decisive decisions a little repetitive they're just decisive uh you know decisive moves in the marketplace because that's what it takes right now right i mean how right. many times you showed a home and you had like an hour to decide if you were gonna oh gosh too many too many <laughs> too many to count right now yeah uh, i had that experience over the weekend mm -hmm. uh took a buyer out 6 30 on uh sunday night put the offer in and she was under contract by 11 o'clock Monday morning. Well, but, and so what so, did you do with that? But so let's, let's replay that. This is a great case study. So you showed the home 6:30 at night mm -hmm. on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And when was the offer submitted? And did you meet with that person or did you explain everything before you showed that home to her? I explained every, we had a conversation on the phone before we, we even went. Okay, good. Okay. Out to, yeah. Um, she did have a, a pretty good feel of the market. Um, but I just wanted her to be sure of, exactly you know what what the conditions were out there i had I got a lot of information she was already pre-approved she had plenty of savings and she had motivation she needed to get into a new place with her two children um so and she wanted to be in somewhere before september all the right makings and she's been casing the market so when this when this particular the voyeur stage, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I say that as a joke, but that's what people do. I mean, yeah. everyone that moves, they are they are online looking for months in advance. This happens every time. Yep. So and she found this place. She really wanted to get it. I could sense it in her voice, the urgency in her voice. So to me, that means she's, you know, to, I just felt it was serious. And yes, my instincts proved right. And she's extremely serious. Uh, we were talking about how to present the best offer during the showing, mm -hmm. as we were going through the property, uh, inspecting as much as we could about the property to have as much information as possible. And uh, that night, we put the offer together, submitted it. 
there was another offer that was competing. As a matter of fact, it the home really wasn't. I couldn't get an appointment through Showtime sure, for the showing. Sure. I had to actually. So that, call that's the that's the appointment center and how we schedule showings, just to give yes. everyone some perspective. Right. I actually had to call a listing agent directly to get the appointments. So that tells you right there, there probably wasn't a whole lot of activity, mm -hmm. but there was already multiple offers on that particular home. So uh, by the next morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call that her they chose her offer over the other one. Well, and and so here, here's the thing. As much as Glenn Kelman saying the market's slowing down a little bit, as much as we're seeing that there's less mortgage applications being filed or that statistically home buyers are weary, there is opportunity to buy a home in the market with the right advice and with understanding the process. It doesn't matter who you call, just get someone who knows what they're talking about. I cannot stress this enough and make sure they have a plan because most agents and don't have a plan. Most buyers don't know what they're getting into. It doesn't matter. You know, when it's your first time doing anything, especially a real estate transaction, people don't know what they're getting into. So, you know, despite whatever's happening in the market, and I would agree with a lot of what what he's what he said in the CNBC spot, there's a lot of data to back it up. There's still opportunities that people that are weary in the market, they have to move quick. They only have a limited amount of time to make decisions. There's ways to navigate that with the right advice. So on that note, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back and talk about some ways to prep your home for the market and then we've got an amazing guest, the world-renowned broke agent calling in from the West Coast. Very exciting. We'll be back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances I'm Insurance gonna, Agency. He's going to call in. If you haven't reviewed your policies I, I don't think in the last... Have you considered you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, if you want to ask us a question, you want to get in touch, you want to hear us talk about something, the email address for the show is info at tooltimeradio.com. Remember, there's an E at the end of Tool. So, Stacy, we're going to uh, have, have a quick segment here, and then we have the world-renowned, world-famous, broke agent coming on. I, I, I'm very excited for this guest. Uh, 
If you guys don't know who he is, you're in for a great treat. You can follow him at thebrokeagent.com or at thebrokeagent on Instagram, excuse me. Uh, but what I want to talk about first quickly are, uh, are ways to increase the value of your home or help it sell quickly. Because I, there was an article that came out on Inman um, and it said, get ready, six seller tasks that can increase a listing's value. And I find the headline very misleading. Um, I want to chat with you about it. We want to go through these six things. What I will say first is that all of these things are probably going to help you sell your home quicker. I And you probably will get a higher price for the property. You're not going to get an ROI on these improvements. In our marketplace, there is data out there. It comes from Realtor Magazine. It says that you only get about 61% back on things you do just to sell your home. So like putting in a new kitchen. You know, redoing a bad, like people want to make these improvements to sell their home. And that is a mistake. I'm going to tell you right now, especially in the current incredible market conditions that we're seeing all that in mind, let's go through the list. I'm just going to fire these at you one at a time here. So the first one, call in an expert. So that means basically calling in someone that's going to, um, check out the property, see if it needs any fixing, any cosmetic issues. What do you think about that piece of advice? I think if you're um, not a handy type of person, definitely if you want to make sure that uh, there's no glaring things like electrical um, that might be, you know, if you have some lighting fixtures or things like that, I think calling in a contractor might be a good idea. Walk around the property. It could get another set of eyes on the home because when you're living in your home, you get used to the way things are. <laughs> so you over, overlook a lot Very of things. <laughs> and what you think is completely okay, if you have another set of eyes, they'll be like, oh, you know what? If you just fix this little piece of trim right here, that might make a big difference. Uh, so I think that's probably a good idea. And um, it's not going to be, it's not going to cost you that much money to have somebody come through to just look at your property. So, so I agree with this in terms of anything that might turn a buyer off. So think about like, there's like a light fixture hanging off or like right. this is maintenance stuff. Yes. And what I'll tell anyone is you don't want to have something that's going to turn off a buyer and it's like an obvious, easy 10 or $15 right. fix. You know how many times I see that kind of thing? That's a because lot. they don't have an, and what I would say with this expert that they're talking about calling in, get someone that tells you how to prep your home, not even a contractor. Mm -hmm. My view is that you want to get someone that knows, okay, you need to paint this room. You need fresh carpet in here you know, paint the treads on the steps because you get like the sole marks on there from walking up and down. That's the first thing people see when they walk in the door. Um, like if there's a window seal that's broken or you need some fresh landscaping, a lot of this, and we're going to hit on a lot of this stuff, but mm -hmm. my view is that I wouldn't bring in a contractor so much as someone that knows what it's going to take to get the home market ready. Mm -hmm. I agree with that hundred percent and I'm clear it's going to help. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a little different than what they're recommending here. Number two, set the mood for a sale. I, you know, mm -hmm. lighting is impactful. Um, is it, it, the main thing they really talked about here and switching light bulbs and making sure they're all kind of uniform. What do you think about this? Well, making sure that all your light bulbs are working is key. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure how far you want to take it if, you know, it has to be like mood lighting all the way across the board, but make sure all the light bulbs are working. Make sure that every light bulb in the closet, in the basement, areas that people want to access, get those light bulbs in working order. I think that's imperative because there's nothing worse than buyers and uh, agents frantically trying to pull out their phones to use a light to go down basement steps. Um, so that's definitely important. Again, I don't know if it has to be mood lighting, but I do like the tips that they said, 
you know, see what your house looks like in the morning, afternoon and night as far as the Agree lighting. With that, yeah. yeah, I think that's a great tip. And yep. in, in general, I would tell sellers, put your lights on before every showing. Just just be ready mm -hmm. to pay a little bit of a heightened electric bill. It's going to make a big difference because no one wants to buy a dark property. And, and sometimes you may not know if you're mm -hmm. there, like you said, in the morning or the afternoon, the lighting is a lot different. Or if like they have like big bushes or landscaping that you're going to take out, that can affect the lighting too. So I would definitely put on some lights before you come in. I, I do agree with this one. I find that that to be really, really important. All right, number three, put the home's best foot forward. They mentioned a stain in carpet, a warped wooden floorboard, a broken tile, all those things. Um, so what do you think about that? Should they be fixing? And we, we kind of hit on this, but let's hit on it again. Well, I think the stain stains on carpeting is a bad look. So do what you can to get the carpeting in as best shape as possible. I think that's an easy, inexpensive fix, actually. Um I'm not sure about a warped wooden floorboard. I, I think you would have to assess how warped it is. Is it a tripping sure. hazard? Um, broken tile can definitely take away if it's in the middle of the floor. So those things can be pretty easy fixes, actually. So flooring is what everybody looks at, and it's what you're walking on. And that is definitely going to be something that the buyers look at and assess, especially carpeting with sure. the stains. Well, I, and, and one of the most inexpensive things you can do that has the biggest impact is fresh paint and new carpeting. If the hardwoods need some work or something there, I mean, I, I would kind of do a spot repair because you may put something in, the buyer might hate it, right? And in general, when you're looking at what to do to get a home ready, we're, not, we're also like not in Manhattan. We're not in Newport Beach. We're in the greater Philadelphia area. I'm clear clean and neat is the best way to go. So a lot of this stuff here they're talking about, and that's why you want to bring in an expert to do that. So um, just to be able to um, just to be able to kind of walk through it and, and, and do those things. Mm -hmm. um, number four, groom the grounds. Yes. So this one's pretty obvious. What do you think? Uh, totally, totally. Because what, the first a drive by is the first impression. So if you have you know leaves from last fall still piled up in a corner of your yard, it, it just gives a bad look. It's easy to spruce up the grounds. Um, you know, put some flowers in, fresh, you know, freshen up the mulch, weeds, get rid of the weeds, any bushes overgrown. That's easy. And I'll tell you, it makes a world of difference. Exactly. Yeah. And and I mean, no one wants to see the weeds coming up. No one yeah. wants to see the old mulch that's burnt out. Okay. So I mean, think of like a, you know, you go to a wedding, you get a shave and a haircut. Well, at least I do. I mean, you don't you don't need that stuff, Stacey. But Guys like me and Nick, we're we're getting trimmed up and, and ready to go, and that that's really what you're talking about yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so we so we're so far we're kind of agreeing with a lot of this. Um, the fifth one, and this is where it gets a little weird. Yeah. Look back in time. So if the home's a little older, take the time to do some research with the sellers to find any great images or stories that you can share with potential buyers. Specifically, they mention historical properties. What do you think about this? Well, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. I was trying to get trying to figure out exactly what they were talking about. If it's an historical property that maybe somebody along the trail made a stop that was famous <laughs> in our yeah, history, yeah, exactly. yeah, that would be a cool artifact to leave, lay around like a, a newspaper clipping or something. Um, but, you know, it might help if, if your buyer is, um, you know, likes that kind of thing. 100% mm -hmm. accurate there. That's a specific segment of the market. Some people want to buy these historical homes that have historical significance. And we have a lot of those here. So I would share some information there as, as a marketing package. Like, you know, sometimes they may want to know that it was part of, uh, 
Now, there's a home that uh, a buddy of mine sold, John Collins, who mentored me for a year. That was the only home in Valley Forge Park and had a lot of historical significance. So that the person who bought that really cared about it. Mm -hmm. Some people could probably okay. care less, right? And so I think it kind of goes both ways. I sold a home on the Brandywine Battlefield in Westchester. There's a lot of homes with historical significance in Philadelphia, especially down in uh, kind of the old city area. So I would put in the appropriate information there. Don't oversell it though. I think some people focus too much on that and the modern amenities, which is number six, mm -hmm. which is design with the times. So when they talk about professionally staging a home, 23% uh, of buyers agents said that home staging increased the dollar value offered between one to 5%. I don't know if they, that, I don't know if that's real data. That's just what they think. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you think about designing or modernizing properties? Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Well, staging, I, I think if you're, home if you already have furniture and and um things in the home there's certain ways that things can be placed maybe better and they talk about little feng shui in here and yeah but i think the most important is to declutter take out things that aren't necessary remove extra pieces of furniture um open it up so decluttering is is number one and that goes along with staging um if a house is empty maybe you want to consider professionally staging a home uh it, it really depends on the price point and the budget that a seller has um but in this market i'm not sure if it really you know makes that big of a difference what, what i would say is getting the home clean neat and ready to go is going to be the thing that works the most and that's the advice we've given people for 20 years and that's why we have a staging team that goes in and does the same things and you know, again, if you're, if you're a new agent trying to get into real estate and you're not sure where to start with all this, we're great people to talk to. Check out our website. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. You don't need a license. We'll pay for you to get licensed. Uh, but these are kind of the resources that we offer because here's the reality. You and I need to be focusing on selling more homes. And this is an important part of the process that can suck up a lot of your time. And if you don't have someone that's totally trained in that, because to be very realistic, I'd be fine with a 75-inch TV and a recliner in the house. And I'd say, this is great. <laughs> That's not what every you know buyer is going to want, especially when there's like a family and other people involved. So I think that this is good stuff overall, but you got to know, know what's going to work in your market. That's what I find the most. Correct. So on that note, special guest, we're going to be all over real estate news all over the place. We got the broke agent coming on next. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. Right. Yeah, he's on now if you want to talk to him before, the sh uh, before okay. we come back. Yeah. No cursing on the uh, air, Eric.
over your income. Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. All right, welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. We're going to break the internet with the next guest we have coming on. There he is, the broke agent, Eric Simon, a friend of mine, at least we're kind of somewhat friends. I don't know, maybe on a good day. Um, all seriousness, uh, Eric uh, is probably one of the most present and influential people on social media in the real estate industry because there's a lot of crazy things that go on and he knows how to kind of, what, what it's like on the other side. He's an agent himself, he's from California. So Eric, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and then we'll kind of talk about your, your company, The Broke Agent, and how it all started. Okay, yeah, I could hope I could follow up that electric segment on decluttering that you guys <laughs> just had with some social media information. But yeah, my name's Eric Simon. I'm an agent in Los Angeles. I started The Broke Agent as a social media company six years ago where I post funny memes, GIFs, videos, skits, YouTube videos, podcasts, stuff like that, that kind of covers the inner monologue of a struggling real estate agent. And it's blown up since I started and it's now becoming my full-time job. We got over half a million followers across all platforms and yeah, it's, you know, landed me a spot on the uh, Tom Tool radio show. So <laughs> I couldn't be happier. There's uh there's probably about seven people listening right now. So you've, you're going to be at 5,007 <laughs> followers or whatever the number is. Right. Uh, yeah. In all seriousness, uh, you know, being a real estate agent, I don't, I don't think a lot of people, the consumer doesn't get like what happens on the back end. I mean, there's people that are at their wits end in these transactions. It's emotional. Yes. It's stressful. It's also stressful being a real estate agent, which might be the reason why you got into this as your full-time job than buying and selling. So talk a little bit about that. Like what, like, I, I know this is your full-time job now, but like, how did, how did it kind of evolve because I know you weren't always the broke agent. You were actually a real estate agent trying to sell houses. Yeah, well, I, I was always the broke agent. I just never had the Instagram <laughs> handle the broke agent. But I started off as a buyer's agent and assistant for a team in Beverly Hills. And I was sitting dead open houses two, three times a week. I had no idea what to talk about, no idea what to say. I couldn't even tell you the square footage of the house because I was getting absolutely no guidance. So I think there's a huge kind of education gap for agents when they first get in the industry is we have no idea how to interact with people until we actually experience it. So I had tremendous anxiety doing everything. I felt like I was an actor basically playing the role of a real estate agent in every situation. Um, and then trying to actually get leads, cold calling and door knocking was impossible for me. I also felt extremely uncomfortable on the phone. I was getting no traction, no listing appointments. And it was not what you see on million dollar listing or selling <laughs> sunset or anything like that. So it's, it's not as glamorous as everybody thinks. It's not as easy as flipping on a light switch. That's for sure. So I think a lot of people could relate with the content because there's a ton of agents out there also who aren't crushing it. Like you, like you guys. I mean, I, I don't know that we're crushing it. We always joke around that our show would be quarter of a million dollar listing um, <laughs> because we live in Philadelphia, but uh so right. it, it, you know, but you bring up a really good point. Like this is hard work. So, you know, you've been through it, you've been on the other side. And so, I mean, talk about, you know, you've got some really great content coming out. And what I love about this is that I, I think it actually provides a relief for real estate agents. And, and I, and this is probably the first time I'm ever going to compliment you. And also maybe the I know, last, seriously, this is um, a complete change of tone. You, yes. you just message me telling me how much you hate me. So well, it's nice. 
we're usually talking about the Sixers money line, but uh, that's uh, that's, exactly. that's another story. But um, so and and Stacy, I want you to jump in here with some questions because you haven't got a chance to meet Eric. But we we met at a at a Tom at the Tom Ferry Summit a couple of years ago, and I, I think why a lot of, you have such a following is because you're not. I, I don't know that you're you're creating the content in, in in terms of documenting it, but this is stuff that happens every day. And yeah, so you know what, what you've probably had a lot of people reach out to you, and I see like some of the stories you post on Instagram, and I mean it's. You know, they're, they're even just sending you the content now and it's a channel. So how, do you, I'm, I'm a believer you're helping real estate agents deal with the day to day. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. I think a lot of people message me that and say that it really helps them get through the day. And it's great to see something relatable that they're actually experiencing and seeing them tag their friends and say, hey, I remember the situation this happened to us at, you know, 1453 Apple Street or something like that, like providing a specific example. But when I first started, there was no one else that was really creating funny content in the industry. There was lighter side of real estate, but I don't really find that funny. You probably do because it's kind of more geared to fools, but it's, uh, you know, I, I think that it's better to, you know, cover just all the, the horrible stuff that happens to us because all I saw on Instagram when I first started being an agent was success story after success story, motivational quotes. Here's my listing. Here's my just sold. And it turns out 90% of agents fail in like the first three years. Right. It's eighty-seven percent and five. So that I mean, you're right. I mean, okay, close. Whatever. It's too many. It, it's. I mean, that's that's an incredible. Exactly. That's an incredible rate. So yeah. I, well, I, so and, when, yeah. When I started it, it just it started picking up quickly, and then finally, agents started actually submitting content as well because they kind of felt now that someone else is doing this, they could actually show their losses, and I think that their clients and their followers are starting to relate with that a little bit more than kind of the salesy, "Hey, I'm a real estate agent," suited and booted pitch because people relate with humor and using humor and marketing on social media is definitely a, a good way to go. I mean, obviously it's working. I mean, you know, he's got, I mean, I'm looking at his Instagram profile here. He's, he's, he's got like 300, almost $300,000 follower, uh, 300, 300,000 followers, excuse me. Um, Stacy, you got any questions, jump in, but uh, you're, you're not just doing like memes and posts and gifts. You, you wrote a book, you've got a podcast, the over ass podcast. A best-selling book. Yes. Yeah. The best, it, it is a bestseller. I mean, I, I got one free from Tom Ferry's office, so I could not contribute to that. But uh, or I think you sent us one, actually. Number, um, yeah, it's the number one real estate comic book in the world because it's the only in its existence. But sold about 10 copies of that. You know, it did not, did not make me rich. My kids thought it was a coloring book. So, I mean, at least they, there was yeah, some sort of use for it. <laughs> I can't afford the coloring printing job, so that's, that's why. <laughs> well, but and, and also, so, but you've written a book. You have an over-ass podcast, which... You've gotten some great guests on there. You've had Mauricio Yamansky on there. You had uh, Matt Leonetti, who I know you do a lot of stuff with. Um, you got the BNN, the Broke News Network. Talk about what you what you talk what what you kind of cover on those different platforms because it's not all just you know Instagram funny photos. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of work that you put into this, which to me is why people follow you. Yeah, I'm trying to go the barstool approach and create an entire media company around us. So initially, when I first started, it was just memes and tweets and kind of skit videos and stuff like that. But now that I had an audience of entertaining, I, I thought the next step would be to help educate agents as well. And of course, I'm not gonna educate agents on how to sell more property because that's not what I'm good at. But I, hopefully I can put them in front of people and uh, use like my network and connections and introduce them to people that could actually help them with whether it's social media strategy or actually helping them sell homes. So yeah, we have the Broke News Network, which is, kind of like a satire two or three minute, minute 
like SNL style, like here's what's going on in the real estate market. Basically content that I wish I had when I first started in real estate. Because you can read Inman News and you can read HousingWire or Realtor.com and you know, try to figure out what's going on in the market. But I think anything wrapped in comedy, education-wise, will be consumed and understood a little bit better. So we have that, Overass Podcast, and a couple other stuff I'm working on as well. And I think that's why this is you're so popular, because it is humor. And there... <laughs> There's a lot of things that go on in just, you know, a couple of hours in the day of a realtor <laughs> that, um, you know, could really sink your ship. And uh, I think when you find some humor in it and you can relate, oh, yeah, other people are going through the same thing and have been through the same thing and you can make light of it and, and laugh about it. I think it really helps. Um, let me just ask you a quick question. What were you doing before uh, you became a real, real estate agent? I worked at the Laugh Factory Comedy Club, which is a comedy club in Sunset in Los Angeles. I wasn't performing comedy. I was doing their marketing. So I basically try to help them like recuperate their sick shows on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So I'd come up with social media promotions. So I was, I was always in the comedy world and then also doing social media. And that's kind of where I learned to write down everything funny. I, I never knew what I was going to do with it. But then I also had a blog called The Pudgy Caddy, which was kind of a sports satire blog kind of like a, a barstool sports-esque type, except with literally no no readers, no followers. And, <laughs> and then, no one was paying me, but yeah. <laughs> and then where did the idea to um, get into real estate, where did that come into play? Uh, I knew a girl at a receptionist at Hilton and Highland in Beverly Hills. I was, I quit the Laugh Factory and then I was just making Vines, which was a six second video platform, kind of like the early days of TikTok basically. And she saw that I was unemployed and just trying to, you know, make it on social media. And she's like, you got to get a job. So I became a temporary receptionist for two weeks in a real estate brokerage and then eventually got hired as an assistant. So I kind of saw it from all angles, from like a staff position, assistant position, a team, and then an actual agent myself. Gotcha. And you hated awesome. all of them. <laughs> I, yeah, honestly, I did. I did hate all of them. And I still hate it, which is why I'm doing this. I don't, I don't see how anybody enjoys it. Well, I, I mean, look, look, I've been doing this 20 years and, and, uh, and Stacy has been, you know, Stacy's the opposite of you where she's had great success in 12 months, but she also, uh, when I told her you were coming on, I mean, she had, this is the first time they're meeting and, uh, it was excitement. It was, yeah. wow, you, well, it's, you know, this guy and I'm like, it's not that big of a deal, but, uh, it, <laughs> but, um, I mean, like, so, you know, as, as someone who didn't know Eric until literally right now, I mean, give me, give us your view of him and then maybe we can talk about some of the business attraction techniques and, and some of the, the content you're putting out, Eric, but I want to kind of hear the the other party because we've known each other a couple of years and we, we've kept in touch. I mean, even though we don't see each other a lot when I'm in California, you're definitely someone I hit up. Well, it's you're right. asking her to analyze who I am after meeting me. After yes, exactly. Days. This is what we do here <laughs> to go over my entire personality. Yes. Okay. Well, we're talking about your brand, buddy, your brand. The I broke didn't agent know brand. That, okay, Tom, brand. that you guys were so tight. <laughs> I didn't realize that yeah, we, until today. And I'm like so excited. Phone. I was so happy because I follow you on Facebook and I'm telling you the stuff that you post, it's, it's, it's just great. I mean, honestly, I love the memes because I crack up at most of them. And one of them, there is one that's my ultimate favorite. Is like, it appropriate for the radio? might be the best. <laughs> well, it's the one where what your family and friends think you are as a realtor and like you're, you know, waking up at 1030 AM and, but your life really as a, as a real estate agent has this little speeding car, like bouncing around the roads all over the place, trying to get to appointments. 
I, for some reason that just cracks me up. But anyway, your your content that you post all the time, it, it really brings a smile to my face and it doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having. I can look to that and, and uh, you know, and, and have a smile and a laugh. So I appreciate Thank that. You. Yeah, it's great. She's much more genuine than me. So uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, a, that's a real compliment. That's a great compliment. Yes. Thank you. That's what, that's what keeps it going. Glad, so, glad people are enjoying it. So you, you've grown an, an, an insane following on Instagram. And I know at one point you told me you were like shadow banned. I mean, you've had some ups and downs with the gram. So that was a lie just because my content was doing poor. So oh, okay. I, I like tell it. everyone I was shadow banned. Well, that, you know, so you should have blamed the algorithm. You shouldn't have told anybody that. Now, now the cat's out of the bag with our five listeners. Well, all so, five listeners yes. are, are not going to think different, differently. <laughs> so, so, in all seriousness, so you, 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 you I've heard you uh, speak on other interviews before, where you're getting a ton of people that will follow you just from you know a couple simple things. So, if you're a real estate agent trying to grow your brand on a local level, because uh, I mean, what what are some like tips or hacks you'd have for people that are that are checking this out now, or on the replay, or on YouTube, or wherever else? Uh, Instagram reels is the number one thing I'd be doing right now. Anytime Instagram comes out with new, a new feature, whether it was IGTV stories or whatever it is, it really pushes that content more than anything. And Instagram reels has its own explore feed and its own algorithm kind of similar to TikTok. So if you're not posting reels, it's going to be really tough to grow right now because Instagram's suppressing all the other content. So if I'm just doing a regular meme post or a tweet post, that performs like a third of what an actual Instagram reel does. So vertical video for sure is what you should focus on, whether it's TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts is coming out with something. Facebook's going to have vertical video as well. You're doing reels. I see Tom there. Yes. You know, you're doing like reaction videos. You and Byron are playing off of each other, which is good, but that's the kind of content people like to consume now is 15 second high quality vertical video. But as far as other engagement tactics on, on Instagram, you want to be, commenting on other pages within the industry that are similar to yours so that your name actually pops up. So for me, I comment on Inman News, the article that you just wrote, which is from Inman News. That's a popular real estate blog and media company. I comment on Tom Ferry, a popular real estate coach, your page, just to like keep my name out there. And then you got to respond to every comment. And it's just kind of like a give and take on social media. So the more you're engaged with the platform, the more engagement you're also going to get. And you also have to post consistently. So I'm always posting two or three times a day, variety of content using all of Instagram's features and then posting eight to 15 Instagram stories a day because the more stories you post and the more people interact with your stories, the more they're going to interact with your actual content. Love it. So, I mean, that, and that's, you know, that, that's an important thing. I mean, you guys write that stuff down, that, that especially for anyone trying to build a brand. It doesn't matter if it's real estate or otherwise that's going to be the easiest, most organic way to do it. And that's why, you know, Eric is so on top of this because he understands the content to put out and then actually puts the work in to create it, which is, it's, it's not easy posting all that on social media. I think a lot of people think it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're just on social media all the time. You got to natively upload all this stuff. You're responding back to people. It, it's a lot of work. It's time consuming. My entire day. Yeah. I, <laughs> all I do is post on social media. Literally, I, I wake up at 7 a.m. and start posting Instagram stories. And then I have other accounts, too. I have bad real estate picks. I have the Over Ask podcast, the Broke News Network. So I'm trying to keep all these other channels populated, plus the Facebook page, plus the Twitter, plus the TikTok. So I'm glad that you recognize that it's it's not not that easy. It, it, look, I'm, I'm trying to do it on on a real estate level. I know Stacy does the same thing. And we're, you know, we're not, you know, we're not doing it nearly at the level you are. And, and the point is that it takes a lot of work and you got to have a plan to do it. I mean, you just listed out like five or six things anyone can implement right now. 
And the same thing goes for, you know, if you're like a local restaurant listening and you want to, you know, build, build your brand that way. I mean, all, any local business can do this. And I think that's why it's so relevant you coming on because you scaled something to a level where if you're in real estate, unless you're living under a rock or you're opening your cell phone to make calls, you know who the broke agent is. So um, we've got about five minutes left here. So, you know, I, I, you mentioned something that I find really interesting, um, the bar stool of real estate and evolving the brand. So I'm, I, I love that idea. And if you look at what Dave Portnoy does, I mean, pizza reviews are kind of what really ramped things up for him. So what's coming down the pike for the broke agent? How are we going to, how can I help you become the bar stool? I don't think I really can, but if I can, I'm happy to do it. What, what does that mean? I mean, cause I don't, some people may not know what bar stool is. So yeah, bar stool is a, a sports media site that it's kind of like the average sports watcher and they have betting sites, they have podcast network, they have, YouTube videos, they have a blog. So it's basically just like the common sports fans, uh, sports blog. So I'm trying to do that with real estate. And what I need help with is I need more creators. I need more real estate agents that are actually producing content, producing funny content. And I'm finally starting to come across a lot. There's a guy named Matt Leonetti out in Canada. Hysterical. Doing hilarious Instagram reels. He's doing music videos. He's doing rap videos. And he's the guy that I host the Overass podcast with. There's a guy named Ben Fisher in Long Beach who I'm doing the Broke News Network with or was doing the Broke News Network with. And what I need is just more voices. I need a female voice as well. Like right now, it's just like three guys just constantly talking about real estate. And I think I need to bring on other perspectives. I mean, I think most realtors actually are women. I think it's like 55%. Yeah, it's 55%. Yeah, that statistic. No, you're right. Good. Got that one. That's the only thing I know (laughs) is that 87% fail in the first five years and 55% of agents are realtors. That's literally the only thing I know about real estate. Um, So yeah, I I need more content creators and I need more avenues. I want more podcasts kind of like yours that are more educational in real estate. Mine's kind of a focus on social media. I want to create like an actual show which is a, you know, kind of curb your enthusiasm-esque of real estate, where it's a, you know, actual actor walking around and dealing with all these crazy situations, whether it's just like a YouTube short form or an actual, you know, 20, 30 minute Facebook watch show, something like that. And then we're building out the merchandise, which I think is going to be really cool. I'm completely revamping the store, the brokeagentstore.com with kind of funny real estate merch for agents to wear, where they could promote their business without really promoting their business without looking like a you know a jerk about it basically so that's kind of the direction i want to take it in and yeah the, the main goal really is just to find and attract talent so i can help that talent grow on my social media by posting them and then they can help the brand grow by posting content as well so if any of our five listeners are interested in getting into uh content creation with the broke agent um yeah. so h- how does how does people get in touch with you in all seriousness i mean i know instagram's a great way and and you will Eric does, he responds to everything. I mean, I, I like that is a lot of work and just to you. Oh, thank you. You, you see, you blew it. You, you could have just said that it would have been fine. You can't take the compliment. So uh, well, I know, I know. Well, I, I have our conversation flagged, but you can reach me DMs or info at the So you're looking for content creators. You know. I, I love that. I think that that's really important. You got the broke agent store, follow him on Instagram. He's got the over ask podcast, BNN. So, you know, with, we got, a minute and a half here, real estate agents out there, you, you gave them a lot of tips. What's uh, maybe one thing that, you know, if they, they, you haven't talked about it, they can implement today that's going to help their business. You're asking me to 
give advice. From a social media standpoint, yeah. Social media standpoint. Social media standpoint. You only sold like three houses, so we can't really use you for anything more than social media. (laughs) This year, hey. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I would just post as consistently as possible and try to be funny with your marketing or actually, you know, implement some of your personality. There's so many agents that are posting the exact same thing, whether it's just sold templates, just listed templates, or a picture of them in front of a car with a motivational quote slapped to it. You got to be different. (laughs) stand out from all these agents so use your personality if you like the sixers if you like the eagles post about that because you're actually going to attract people that like things that you like and then they're going to want to work with you so you want to show who you are and then also video as much as possible so vertical video and just constantly keep showing yourself and be top of mind because that's our goal right is to just be top of mind so well, yeah, only 5% of the population is actually making a real estate decision. So there a lot of times that, you know, they don't even want to think about it because it's so horrible going through these transactions, which is what the whole, whole thing platform's all about. And as a side There's note, another stat that I could use. Thank yeah, you. You got it. And as a side note, Nick calls vertical videos, hot dog style. I just wanted you to, I thought that was a great way you could implement that. I like it. So I like that. Uh, if you got questions, again, uh, reach out to Eric. It's at the broke agent on Instagram. You got a question, you got a topic, you want us to cover something, email us at info at tooltimeradio.com. Find the live stream on Facebook at Tom Tool Sales Group, or you can follow Stacy at the number two, Mitch Co, two M I T C H C O on Instagram, or you can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD, Tom Tool the third. There's an E at the end of Tool on Instagram as well. Thanks for tuning in to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB. 8.60 a.m. Eric, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you.